associates that's right the free associates folks the freedom of association the freedom to associate with anybody or anything or any idea that comes along no matter how threatening no matter how wrong but also the ability to free associate like just to let your mind wander to not get too attached to just kind of see things in the sky and just kind of like say well I think I think I think this might be but I actually don't know to be curious, to kind of spark the imagination, to do all those wonderful things that keeps us going in our shared pursuit of the truth. Shared pursuit of the truth, because really, no one knows what's going on, ever. Like, I don't really know what's, your guess is as good as mine. In fact, I think that would be a good name for a radio show, too. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what's going on. Don't ask me. Please do not look at me. The more I know, the less I know. Now, we are pre-recording this episode, so we're not taking calls, but... We welcome you to check out the readings at thefreeassociates.us. Those will always be posted on thefreeassociates.us, okay? And they're short readings, and I have to say I've been looking forward to this episode for months because it's going to tackle all those dystopian dreams that we have and really try to figure out in this what seems like a dystopian moment what exactly dystopia it is. Now, we are also podcasted all across the universe. As I've mentioned before, aliens are docking in the solar system just to load up their they're whatever they're things they have and then just go away they listen to it for a couple weeks they come back they load up again it's beautiful now we are really fortunate to have laura federuso come on the show again she's been a guest she worked her way up from radio uh call-in stardom to actual in-person stardom she also has her own show and the whale dog i'm not even gonna talk about his van i'm so sick of talking about whalen's van if anything, I'm just going to cut the tires in that van someday just to, like, so I have something to talk about. Oh, he's trying to get on my mic. He's saying it's so so loud that he's trying to get on my mic. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work, Waylon. So in any case, we have lots to talk about, and we will be back in a minute. So meanwhile, we know that Prague Rock and Talk Rock are just marriage made in heaven, like peanut butter and chocolate. So enjoy Diodato's Asus Rock Zarathustra, and we'll be back in a minute. And we're coming back. 
back. We're coming back in the studio, and I have everyone mic'd. And I had forgotten that we're going to free associate, so I'm going to keep that music rolling just for a little bit longer. We know that part of our thing is that we get to free associate on a drawing. Now, these guys have created a drawing for me, and after the break, in the middle, I have a drawing for them. Now, free association is not description, so I'm not just describing what I'm seeing. I'm trying to free associate. I'm trying to loosen loosen my brain up for the situation so that, so that I can stay loose. Like, that's the goal. So, Laura... Hit me with the hit me with the image here. Oh, you do exactly the kind of stuff I do. All right, so boom, boom. It's like I'm marinating in my head. Um, jealous of 12 gifts. I only have one day. The time my brother made me carry the pizza boxes, an extra block, and I threw them on the ground. And my dad was so mad at me. And happy birthday, bunny rabbit. And that's it. Boom. You can't free associate Woo. better than that. I mean, that's a total free association. A hundred out of a hundred. You got some repressed memories in there. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll tell you. I got to tell you, there was my brother who was three and a half years older. We used to go down and get pizza downtown Melrose, Massachusetts. And I, we made a deal that at three blocks up, he would start carrying the pizza, right? <laughs> and then he just wouldn't do it. He was like, no, go one more oh, block. Man. And I just got so mad. I threw you the pizza brute. boxes on the ground and then went to a wall to hang out and not cry, but boy, uh, my dad wasn't like filled with compassion at that moment, <laughs> you know. Which, as a father now, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see that. Like, like I get where I get a little norm where you're coming from. Yeah, but the betrayal of Caesar, ruined, little Caesar. You ruined all this good, good pizza. So, all right, well, guys, welcome to the show. Whale dog, you want to say hi? What's up? Yeah. Just getting into the festive mood. We. Uh, Got to talk about dystopias and slashing my what's, tires what's in the better? van. What's better what's, for the what's, holidays? What's more holiday cheer right there? Absolutely. Well, you got to kind of cut it. I um, I actually was thinking uh, this week, and I told my students that Christmas music is designed to prepare us for death. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a slow Wait. way of preparing okay. us for death because. You hear it over and over again, and it just starts chipping away at your will to live. Do you know? Like, yeah, I've worked at food service oh where you hear God. the same songs over and over all day. I mean, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I mean, I'm convinced that 20 years from now, I'm just going to be like, okay, take me now. Like, it's not even that I'm suicidal. I've just flatlined on my will to live. I can't, I can't hear this again. And I have to say... Like even the Little Drummer Boy by Bowie. I was going to bring that up. There's so many different versions of Little Drummer Boy, and you would think that would help to have different versions, but it's actually just compounding the problem from every angle possible. (laughs) And the the, you know uh, the uh, the Springsteen one really bugs me now. Mm. I have to say, you know, you know that one he does like. You better watch out. <laughs> you're just like, this is, I love Springsteen. This song is everything that's wrong with Springsteen. It just feels so phony. You know, it's like the fake part of Springsteen. And you're just like, God, take me now. I'm ready. I'm ready. So it's good. And that way it's really good because we all should always be prepared for death. You know, that's what the Stoics believe. <laughs> now, speaking of death and destruction, we are on a dystopian special. Uh, and we have three readings up on the website. And one of them is, <laughs> everyone's wondering which dystopia we're in these days. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of the conversation. Everyone's arguing, like, no. Dystopia du jour. It's this dystopia. Shut up. No, it's this dystopia. No one's, well, not no one, because we also have an arg- article by Steven Pinker that's saying, this is the best time ever. <laughs> he's the guy. He's the guy that everyone wants to hit. You know, it's like shut up. It's not good. It's terrible. So we have an article. It's saying that we're living in 1984, right? 
that maybe before we were living in Brave New World, mm. but with the emergence of the Trump administration and with certain aspects, it talks about a rally, the lock her up rally or send her back rally. I don't even know, um, but it's it's mm-hmm. basically, it does feel like the opening scene of the movie 1984, where it's just this kind of angry, like not even like pointed anger, just kind of like restless anger. And so this article is making the case that we're back in 1984. And the other article is saying, you know, Huxley really is the one who gets it right. Like, and Huxley, I thought this was cool that Huxley wrote a letter to Orwell. Right. Did you see that? Like yeah. Orwell sends him 1984. And, then, and, and, <laughs> and he's and, like, yeah, this is cute. But yeah. <laughs> I know this like 20 years ago, this. actually. Well, also, he says, he says, you don't need it. You know, you don't need to suppress the people. You just need to give them what they want and they'll mm-hmm. be suppressed, right? Like mm-hmm. all that like totalitarian like uh, legwork you're doing yeah, is totally in this. Just placate right. people and you're fine. And then lastly, we have Pinker's, <clears throat> this an article attacking Steven Pinker and saying, so Steven Pinker has come out with a book and my friend Greg White and I argue about this, that he looks at the metrics of when we're living in and says, you look at any metric, this is the best time to be alive ever, you know? And uh, if there is a problem, we'll solve it. You're actually a little bit like this. Yeah, no, I, I, kind, of, I kind of subscribe to this. Well, having not read the book, it's easy to criticize. Sure. <laughs> Always easy. <laughs> but, you know, there's like this, this, he has an agenda going into looking at these numbers, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, of course you can pull the numbers that are going to prove your point. Also, do we even have these numbers going back in time? Like, he's got to cherry pick what's available information. Yeah. And certainly when yeah. you look at, like, sickness and, like, the rates of death and stuff like that. But, like, um, I don't know if y'all watched the Democratic debate the other no. day. But Andrew Yang said we have skyrocketing numbers of suicide and they're, yeah, they're overtaking vehicles. That. And, so, like, if you're looking yeah. at happiness, right. like, how do you argue that people are happier, you know? That's an interesting thought. I mean, you know, one of the... One of the like big numbers is life expectancy, right? And that's actually gone down for certain segments of the American population for the first time in industrialized history. Right. That is to say, like there's been no moment in industrial history that that hasn't expanded, right? Instead of contracted. Until so the last decade. But let me let me push mm-hmm. back, Laura, a little bit, and Waylon might want to push back on you a little bit too, uh, because he's. I feel like you are in the school. Don't. don't isn't there some truth? I'm just anecdotally. That like, you know, I'm older than you guys, so I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I do feel like there's more affluence, at least where we are. I don't know worldwide. I mean, the uh, this is another interesting number. It's not talked about, but now um, too much food accounts for more death than lack of food hmm. for the first time in human history. Right? Hmm. That's not necessarily a good thing either. But that is like food complication issues are yeah, more of an issue than not and having like food and stuff like that. Hmm. Don't, you don't actually think that between now and let's uh, put 1960 that people aren't healthier, that they don't have more access to goods and stuff like that? I honestly have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and like I think being able to recognize when you don't actually know the yeah. answer to something. Like I, for me, I'm like, yeah, more affluence. Like, but we all know like that doesn't actually make you happy. OK. Right? Yes. And I mean, there's limits to that. Obviously, like extreme Agreed. poverty will make you unhappy. I, I'm on board with that. Right. And there's an, a point to which having more money will make you happier. But then there's also a point after which it doesn't actually make things better. Right. And um, there has been studies on that, that like after 80,000, 
So I'm still increasing. I still have a little bit of happiness to go here. And I don't think Steven Pinker is wrong. It's the best time for him to be alive. That's what he wrote a book about. Like he's having a great time. Like I think that's really what he wrote a book about. And it's like, and in all of these cases, it's like, what's your perspective that you're bringing to it? What's your personal experience? And they're very divergent for lots of people. So, so I just think that's a really important comment. I feel like when we we talk about. And particularly when we talk about dystopians, we I think, and we talked about this a little before, that is to say um, there's something appealing about dystopian scenarios. There's something that we want to engage in dystopian mm-hmm. scenarios, um, that we kind of dream up the dystopian scenario that is most attractive to us in mm-hmm. a way. So, for example, I'd rather the dystopian narrative that scares me less is 1984. Interesting. Than Brave New World. Interesting. And I was thinking that that that's um, now. When you say yeah. that, is it it scares you less because you think you can you can abolish the systems that are in place, or that you would just want to live you could live more comfortably in? Yeah, that's striking to uh, me. I'm I am more afraid of complacency, self complacency, mm. than I am challenged. When I'm challenged, I actually feel like I'm my best self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like for example, I taught in a really difficult high school. Well, well, that was really challenging, but my best self kind of rose like in many mm. ways like getting up really early and stuff like that when if you give me a challenge i'm really activated but if you give me what i want then i can really fall into unconsciousness and complacency and so that scares me more than being challenged so when i look at a dystopian narrative i think i guess i'd kind of rather be in 1984 i'd rather know where the battle lines are drawn than just not to live in a fog mm. right yeah, yeah that Ignorance is kind of bliss, but it's yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. I think Brave New World is so scary, and I think that's that's why it's a, there's a case that we actually are living in Brave New World. Right? Is it scarier because of the fact that it is more true? Okay, that's a good point. Right? If yeah. I was living or in not fact, but well, yeah, if I was living in Mao's China mm-hmm. in '54, or '58, or whatever during the Great Famine, I'm sure I would rather live in the Brave New World <laughs> than 1984. Right. Like, I, I, I guess that's part. But I also, Laura, want to echo what you were saying. It really matters perspective. Because I feel like the people who are more afraid of Brave New World, they are kind of cultural elites. Mm. That is to say they're highly judgmental of what other people might find meaning in. Mm, but like just, to cope with life. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. or just like look down their nose at reality TV. Well, maybe that's meaningful for someone. Mm. You know, the guy who wrote that article, he's he's I actually know who he is because okay. I lived in New York. Um, you know, he's like he's a cultural elite guy and he wants everyone to rejoice and stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> And not everyone wants to read James Joyce. (laughs) I want to watch Real Housewives of Indianapolis. I feel like the Huxley point of view is is highly judgmental, right? Mm, I mean, what might be your balm is not my balm. Right. One of my favorite like parts of that book is when they talk about the creation of ever more elaborate sports that require more and more specific settings that they have to fabricate. I'm like, that really resonated <laughs> for me. I just saw a video of people like biking on a high wire across like a gorge, and I was like, who came up with this? Like, where did what and kind of it's competitive. Compa- and, and affluence compels you to come up oh, with this yeah. plan? Like, I don't. Oh, you could do a book just on amazing, that alone, right? You and, really like, could. Rock climbing has become really popular, and that's oh. a little bit, but it involves all this elaborate expensive oh, equipment no question. You know, frisbee golf there's endless examples well it just even inside <laughs> <Frisbee golf. laughs> 
Well, he plays for the First off, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the sport of the people. There's no. You buy a $7 disc and it's free to play usually. Mm. It's not called it's the, Frisbee it's Golf. The sport what is it of the, called? Um, no, disc golf. Disc golf. Frolf. Excuse me. Yeah, there's a, there's many. No, you. <laughs> many different names. I, I gotta tell you, I'm always amazed, and I am older than you guys. So uh, I used to have a joke when I was a tour guide because we'd pass a Whole Foods. I'd be like, "That place is like a palace. They have like two separate cheese rooms," which they did. Mm. And I was like, "When I was a kid, there were two kinds of cheeses." <laughs> and then White I said, "No, I say uh, <laughs> government and non-government." And I said, uh, "Regular and unleaded," which <laughs> you guys probably don't even know what that means. Um, but like the affluence is extreme, and I really agree with you. I think it's a great place to look for it. Like for example, skis. Mm-hmm. I mean, finding the right downhill skis is like doing a thesis paper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so many options for what you can do now. And mm-hmm. really, before it was like, here's your downhill skis, right. and here's your cross country skis. Now, this is a golden age in many ways. But I, I do get what you're saying is that like, and I, it does seem like Huxley was really on to something. I guess that was written in the twenties, huh? Right, a long time. That's yeah. Really, yeah you it is think impressive, about like the time, yeah. you know, and the worship of consumption and right. cars too. Especially yeah. that's something that I'm constantly like. We make so many sacrifices for cars. Yeah. You know, we people will complain about like windmills being ugly. They want, right. and it's like there's roads everywhere. Roads are yeah. hideous. Like, yeah. But you know, like the, if it's for cars, we're just like, yeah, we're doing yeah, yeah. it. You yeah. know, because we worship Traffic, them. We love noise, them. dirty snow. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You can't stop them. No, it's really true. So, Waylon, let me ask you this. Let me push this question to you and, yeah. then, and then to Laura. So what scares me more is Brave New World, although the Steven Pinker thing scares me even more because I, feel, I do feel like, like that is like out-of-touch optimism. Mm. Out-of-touch optimism scares me. And I, I there well, is uninformed like, optimism too. Well, I mean, he because might be then you're informed, not thinking yeah. about your awareness. Mm. That, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to for me. It's curated optimism. Can we say curated that? Curated optimism. Because, yeah, like you said, Pinker's good. pulling numbers. Well, I, I can pull numbers from this other report that's going to say that you're wrong. Like, well, I feel like I experience the opposite in my life a lot. People who do idealize the past and they're like, "Oh, everyone was in touch with nature," and there was only organic food, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. And, like, you know, people who I think are unrealistically molding the past yes. to be a better time, too. And mm. I think he's maybe pushing back on that instinct we have uh, to do that and think that what we're living with is worse. But And probably is a useful counter-argument. Yeah. Because I do wonder, um, we we are complainers. We're, we're born to complain a little bit. I mean, I do think that's an aspect of our society. Leonard Cohen has this great line uh, in his a song democracy he says it's the homicidal bitchin that goes on in every kitchen on who will serve and who will eat and he's talking about democracy i mean that poem leonard cohen's a prophet you know i cried when he died i cried you know uh he's such a powerful figure and if you read democracy it's like it's an amazing and basically he's saying and this is actually relevant to our conversation he's like democracy is coming to the usa he's like that's not that's something you should be scared of like that's the scary democracy. That's mm. the mob rule democracy. Mm. It's like that's greedy, just pure democracy. Greedy, pure democracy, pure democracy is scary as hell. Right, and that's what the that's what our with the country tides was constructed to keep that from time. happening. Right, because that's French Revolution democracy. It's it's mob rule. Yeah, somebody in Marseille just burned a whole bunch of yachts. Did you see? That? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, cool. Somebody shared a picture. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> there's huh. some class war. That's a tough town. Marseille's a, a tough town, right? Isn't it? I don't know. It's a port town, yeah. yeah. My buddy Chris had a great line, poetry line. He said, 
because New York is not gay Paris, it's Marseille, built on the dirty word of trade. Mm. You know, it's a port. It's a tough town. So mm. now, uh, Waylon, what scares you more? Is it 84, 1984? Is it Brave New World? And why? I don't know. Maybe probably 1984. I don't know. It's just, it just resonates with me in the idea as uh, I like to think outside the box and I like to to you think try you like to, to think outside the well box. I like to do things <laughs> outside yeah no I'm thinking like <laughs> Russian nesting dolls of boxes as I wear my yeah, as I wear my like Levi jeans and, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 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 um, consciously unconscious that's yeah. what you are but the just the idea that um that there is an avenue for work, even within a system, working within a system, but you can kind of escape it and everything. Yeah. It just seems so, the idea that you could be conscious of something that could be an outside truth or outside possibility, but never be able to fully grasp, grasp or manifest that is just basically my hell. Do you think there's more possibility... So th- I guess we're saying the same thing. <clears throat> yeah. I see more possibility for wiggle room in 1984 than I do in Brave New World. I agree with I think Huxley. there's different wiggle rooms, though. Yeah. You know? So, okay. like, wh- what is the true escape from any of those situations? That's the real question. Yeah. You know? That is a really good question. Can we spin back around? Yeah. <clears throat> Let's spin, ba- spin back around to that. It's an excellent question. What is the escape... From 84 was Escape from Brave New World. But Laura, yeah. what scares you more? Which one scares you more? Um, <coughs> definitely 1984. Okay. Yeah. I just, in terms of like the repressiveness, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're both dystopias, you know? They're both so dystopias. Like, I'm not, but like, yeah, like, throw me some soul. Are you more scared <laughs> of spiders or scorpions? <laughs> yeah, but no, the the... The repression and the, you know, well, I should say this all having only read the Cliff's Notes for 1984. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, and also, I, I Something think... you could only get away with in the Brave New World. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's good. That's good. I like that. But, uh, by the way, the, the film made in 1984 is a really great film. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a well-done film. It really holds up. It's John Hurt, I think. I can't remember who the, the lead actor. It's, it's quite good. Um, they spent a lot of money on it because it was 1984 and I was 13 in 1984. So I really remember that moment Mm. where, uh, and they talk about this in one of the articles. It was a moment where everyone patted themselves on the back (laughs) and said, Hey, we made it. (laughs) We made it. It's not a totalitarian regime, you know, and the Soviets were on the decline and all that stuff. It really felt like a, a great moment. And you guys might also remember or know about the Apple The ad. Apple commercial, yeah, yeah. It was a very famous Apple commercial mm-hmm. ad, <clears throat> which showed in the Super Bowl that was about 1984, and this guy throws a hammer into the Big Brother screen, uh, and yeah. this is like the liberation of the personal computer and Apple. Now, Apple's become... <laughs> <laughs> the irony. <laughs> it's so funny. Go watch that commercial if you haven't. It is like... I th- no, it's coming back to me. Yeah. I think I, that was in the 90s sometime? No, 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 no. It was, no. It was in 1984. Yeah, was, the yeah. Apple commercial. It's yeah. one of the oh. most famous commercials oh, okay. in, in American history. Okay. I remember it. It was mm-hmm. a big moment. I, I think they only showed it once and we watched it. No, my dad, my parents were both in computing at that time. So they were, we had an Apple. We had an Apple IIe and... We were very much, I remember going to the Apple store in Boston. It was someone's apartment. You know, it was in Somerville. I'm serious. They had stuff in their kitchen. So things have really changed a lot very fast. And I guess we were laughing because Apple is now 
the the head of the Brave New World. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. who they are. They're the yeah. they're the they're that logo is the Brave New World logo. Actually, I'm like now I'm like wait, is social media the soma really? Like I feel like when people have anxiety, they turn to it yep. and it's just like, oh, like I can just detach it, you but know. But it generates anxiety too. Is oh, there absolutely. a distinction? Yeah, I don't know. It's not a real relief, but that's true of the right. soma too, right? Is that right? I, See, I, I think mean, I'm more of an, an expert. Actual drug, I'm a 1984 but, guy mm. more than a Brave New World person. You, I think you might be our resident expert on Brave New World. Yeah. I'm more of the, on the 1984 side. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, it's been a while since I read it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we were All these things the are like, yeah. But I also just like that it's Soma and then social media. It's like the, the letters. Yeah. And they're cool. like, <laughs> when you open your phone, Ooh, it's like spooky. there's scientific evidence that it releases endorphins. Right, exactly. You know, like, so yeah, no, it's it basically is, is, a drug. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, and of course, you know, um, that goes to Marxism and opiate of the masses. We always have something that's going to release dopamine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always going to be something, hopefully. And so... <laughs> That's the other thing is I think that we like to tell stories by the campfire about how, like, spooky stuff is. But, you know, you do have to wonder, like, is it really that bad? Is it really that scary out there? Are we working ourselves into a lather through dystopian uh, models? Is, is this a healthy release? Is this a healthy way to view aspects of our society? Because you like social media, Laura, right? You're mm-hmm. an advocate of social media. I don't know about advocate. Okay. But I use <laughs> <Advocate>. social media. <laughs> I'm on there. Champion of paid, Facebook. <laughs> paid advocate on the show. <laughs> A paid advocate. No, I'm not advocating You've done so media. much for the social media world. <laughs> yes, we want to thank you. <laughs> um, I don't think it's necessary. I think that there's dystopias within our world. You know, I don't think there's a thing. I think this argument is a little bit silly because it's like, yes, all of these things are true in different places for different people, depending mm-hmm. on your class, depending on your geography. Um, but I do think it's relevant to reflect on society and the things that produce yes. those scenarios. Yeah, and, we, and we've had now... Dozens and dozens of dystopian novels since, right? Right. Like The Hunger Games is, I think, a really great one. Mm. Like, it, it really does a, a nice job. And it's really become a large genre, actually. St- I actually wrote one. So, <laughs> what, what, Hunger Games? <laughs> no, I, <didn't> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wrote the sixth one. It didn't get published. Was that coming out of a movie? Yeah. No, but I wrote one. And, and I think it's relevant. I'll just throw it out there. Is that in my novel, New York had been reduced to a population of about 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. But it really was a fantasy it wasn't a, it, was, it wasn't dark uh, in the sense that it was liberating and it was kind of the the new york that uh, was fertile and like creative and stuff like that 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 i was missing that a lot of people have missed about new york so mm. it wasn't a dark vision so much as a kind of al- very much an alternate vision you know <laughs> um and you know like record vinyl was the currency and there was it was like a hipster paradise <laughs> record vinyl was hipster <laughs> Hipster dystopia, basically. That'll well, be think three about three forty-fives, please. No, records are the perfect thing for a currency, because you have to keep them in good shape. They're only printed. You know, you can tell when they're printed, so they're a great currency. Can't you reprint them? Not if you're in a dystopian hundred thousand person <laughs> city. Although there was counterfeiting. All of the record manufacturing plants had closed, <laughs> and all the people that worked there died. <laughs> I think that's one of the great things about them is they're pretty easy to reprint. But <laughs> we have the counterfeiter okay. over here. Okay, I'll go ahead and rewrite that novel for you. Okay. 
I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're a little too heavy to be a good currency. As somebody who's inherited oh, a record I got collection, records on my back. That's all the better. <laughs> yeah. That's all the better. That the dystopian future is just back pain. You know what There's else no is heavy? Gold. This, Gold is heavy. Okay. <laughs> Listen, listen, I would never have brought this up if I had known I was laying myself open to so much ridicule, open ridicule. My, my only point was, is that um, a lot of times with dystopian stuff, and we have spoken about this before, it's not just the scary stuff, but that we see ourselves somehow thriving in it. I definitely, mm. I was creating yeah. an environment, obviously, it was at a record collection. <laughs> You're like, I will be a king in the future. <laughs> well, <laughs> if there kinda, were only, only 5% yeah. of New York left. He has the Fort Knox at his apartment over there. Records. <laughs> well, definitely. But, you know, a lot of, like, Weekend Warrior stuff, Survivalist, thrives on this idea of, like, when the S hits the fan, I'm going to be the one who knows how to use a crossbow and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that's it, it distills down to just places are so popular yes. now. No, but there it's is. the big right. stick in the carry the big stick. There you got to really take is. out your big stick and start hitting people. <laughs> no, no, it's really true. Now, hold on. We're about to take a break, but I, I picked a piece of music that I thought would really work. Oh, jeez. <coughs> Excuse me. It hits me so profoundly. So, I don't know if you guys know this piece of music. No. no. You know that voice. The boy? Oh, yeah. I looked at you and wondered if you saw things my way. Now, this is from Diamond Dogs, which is my favorite Bowie album, and really is a musical based on 1984. And he had wanted to call it 1984, but the Orwell estate wouldn't give him permission. But if anybody wants, a, like, a dose of Orwell musically... Okay. Go to Diamond Dogs. And I mean, he's such a master, I think, in so many ways. And you can see how Bowie would be Orwellian, right? Like there's this big Orwellian side of Bowie. And also, have you guys ever seen Velvet Goldmine? No. Oh, that's a great film. Todd Haynes. And it's this kind of alternate take on Bowie. Like a, it's kind of like a parallel universe Bowie, and it's very 1984. So check it out. So, folks, we'll be back in a minute. And just to let you guys know, after the break, the song I chose to come back in is my Brave New World sign song. So and I know you guys can't wait to hear what that and is. And you'll hear it on vinyl. And you'll hear it on a very expensive vinyl. Be elusive, but don't walk far. Always breaking in the new boys. Deceive your next of kin. For your dancing where the dogs decay. Defecating ecstasy You're just an ally of the legion You cater for the virgin king But I love you in your fuckly bumps And your nimble dress betrays Oh, dress yourself, my urchin one For I hear them on the rails Because of all we've seen Because of all we've said One thing kind of touched me today 